A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Today we've got a crazy story of a step-grandma trying to get rid of their step-grandchildren. It's a crazy story, but first, I send my best friends to jail. Getting screwed over by a friend is one thing, but by an entire friend group? It's probably one of the most damaging things a person can experience in their lifetime. I, 27-year-old female, have never really been an extrovert. I've always kept to myself and maintained the same friend group since I was 5 years old. My father was in the army, so we moved around a lot. I can't remember much of it because I was an only child and I was a toddler for all the years we moved around until we finally settled down in one place. I started school in a new city and by the end of the first week, I'd basically picked out three girls as my close friends. We'll call them Gracie, Fran, and Nina. All three of us were inseparable and fortunately our parents also tolerated themselves well enough for us to continue being friends even getting close and becoming friends themselves i loved my friends and being an only child meant that i was incredibly protective of them each of them had siblings gracie with two fran with two and nina with one and i loved having all of them over for my parents it meant an incredibly full house but they'd been only children as well so they actually didn't mind it too much Still, it must have been a lot having so many children over, and I'm always going to be thankful to them for being so graceful and tolerating us all. My parents were also much better off financially. Mom being an artist and dad being a retired soldier with a huge auto-slash-convenience shop, so they were able to cover a lot of the financial expenses that came with having a daughter who wanted people over all the time. Whatever I had, I wanted my friends to have, and somehow my parents decided that my friend's siblings had to have it too. From the age of 5 until we turned 17 and had to go to college, Gracie, Fran, Nina, and I never spent up to three whole weekends apart. We were attached at the hip and went everywhere together, did everything together, and managed to keep fights and arguments to a minimum. While I was the calmer, more level-headed one of my group, my friends were wild, and I got to know this when we just entered high school. Gracie was the ringleader of this and the wildest by far. You would never expect it from her because, unlike me, she didn't dye her hair or have her ears almost completely pierced by the end of high school. She was a poster girl for being a good student, even having the grades to prove it. Then again, all four of us had good grades anyway. Nina and Fran were just happy to be involved in whatever shenanigans Gracie had planned. A lot of times they lied to their parents about overnight sleepovers at mine and with the knowledge that no calls would be made across, my friends would head off to one party or the other, only calling me when they needed to be picked up and taken back to mine for the sleepover. I didn't mind it. If anything, I was living vicariously through my friends because I just didn't want to experience it directly. The dynamic worked perfectly for us until Fran got knocked up by a literal felon. Gracie figured it out before she started showing, and on a weekend that my parents weren't home, I got my car and drove us all over town. 
looking for a hospital or center that would end the pregnancy for an underage pregnant girl. None of them would do it without an adult's consent. And we had to figure it out on our own with the help of the darker side of the internet. It's a miracle Fran lived through it. After the incident, you would think that my friends would calm down with their intensity, but it became even much worse. They were determined to live their lives to the fullest, and as a scared friend, I decided that it was my duty to go around with them and make sure they didn't get roofied by an organ harvester or worse. Between attending these parties, staying on top of my grades, and my little job at my dad's workshop, I was constantly exhausted. So exhausted that one day we were driving back home from a party and I fell asleep at the wheel. I woke up in a hospital with a broken arm, but luckily my friends were perfectly fine, and my car suffered very minor dents. Somehow, a ton of drugs were found on my person and it was assumed that I owned them. Nothing I said was taken into consideration, and I was presented with a lot of things that could potentially happen to me. Thankfully, my parents were able to shake off most of the consequences I was to have, settling with a thousand hours of community service. I knew that Gracie planted the drugs on me because she was the only one who actually did them. I waited for an acknowledgement or an apology at least, but none of it came. She, Fran, and Nina pretended nothing ever happened and continued to show up like normal. I never mentioned it either, but it created anger in my heart. And I promised myself to do something of equal intensity back to Gracie for putting me in the position and the other girls for knowing and not saying anything to me at least. I wouldn't have ratted out on them if they'd spoken up. Barely a year after the incident, all four of us graduated from high school with different college plans. I was glad to finally get away from all the anger I was holding for my best friends and get into a space where I would make decisions concerning just myself. Contrary to what a lot of people advised, my four years in college were the best time of my life. I had a lot of fun just being my own person and studying to become an auto engineer like my father. I also had a bit of my mother's artist streak, so I also did some painting and some digital art on the side. Once I returned home, my parents left me in charge of everything and jetted off for a long holiday. I was completely fine with it though and the space and alone time I anticipated was just as nice as I thought they would be. Basically, everything was pretty good, until I realized that Gracie, Fran, and Nina were graduating and coming back home. We hadn't spoken in a while, all four of us, so I was anticipating what our relationship would be like when we reunited. It was genuinely nice when we first saw each other, and I really had missed them. Somehow, the topic that I was home alone for a while entered the conversation, and all three of my friends insisted that we had a sleepover, just like old times. Going against my instincts, I agreed to it, and stocked up the house for a week-long slumber party. It was so obvious that all three girls were the same people I knew from high school, because it was a wild, wild time being around them. They were almost always high, and in the few moments they weren't, They were doing their makeup or dressing up to go to one party or the other. I found myself working three jobs, a mechanic slash illustrator in the daytime and a designated driver at night. What was supposed to be just one week spiraled into several weeks and I was getting sick of it. I prepared myself mentally to kick them out and I was going to do it until I came back home one day to find my entire house trashed. 
All three girls were nowhere to be found, and every single room in my house was unlocked. I went into my bedroom and thankfully it was completely untouched. However, some of my parents' most precious decorative pieces were missing. I did my best to clean up, super angry of course and swearing never to speak to them again. They showed up a few days later, sober and talking about how they'd run out of money and had to sell a few things to get their drugs. I let them know that the only way I would speak to them again and not turn them to their parents or the police was if they found a way to return every single thing that they sold. This didn't sit well with them, especially Gracie, and I was bathed in insults about how much of a stuck-up witch I was. It took me by surprise because all I had ever done was be there for these girls, even while they screwed their own lives. Of course, Nina and Fran supported Gracie while she rained insults on me, letting me know just how much of a stuck-up prude I was and how I didn't deserve much else but a miserable time in life. It hurt, I'll be honest, but not as much as what they did to my gadgets. Barely days after, I found my house broken into, messed up from top to bottom. Like, purposely messed up. This time, my room wasn't protected because they broke down the door and cleared out my most important files from my laptop, including a project that I was working very hard on for a huge activewear company. It was such a specific thing that I didn't have a hard time pointing the entire thing back to the only people I told about it. I didn't feel too sad because I had everything besides the lost recent small changes backed up to a hard drive, but I was livid. All of the anger from high school that I talked myself into letting go came back, and combined with how I was feeling, it was a lot of emotions that I wasn't planning on letting go of anytime soon. The summer was almost over, and I knew that all three girls were supposed to start new jobs at different companies around town. I paid a guy $1,500 to hack into their devices and export all of their most compromising images and videos from their nights out. Combined with all of the photographic evidence I'd also taken, none of it was taken with malicious intent, I turned them into short montages, personalized to each of them. I also did some snooping and found that Gracie not only did an insane amount of drugs, but she was dealing also. She'd been dealing long before we went off to college. It was a nice little information to add to the compromising information that I had of them. A part of me hoped that they would come back and apologize so that I wouldn't have to exact revenge on any of them, but instead I got a lot of mean, anonymous messages from three numbers. How much more childish could they be? The Friday before, my now ex-best friends were to resume at their new jobs, I sent in the videos through an anonymous email that would disappear immediately that the file was downloaded onto the computer. I also sent it in to their parents and then added a small tip-off to the police, anonymously of course. It was the most satisfying thing watching their lives blow up right before my eyes, with the knowledge that I was the reason for it. They of course hadn't had an inkling of an idea that it was me, and that was the most fun part. When my parents returned from their little backpacking across Europe trip, I told them the entire truth because as much as it felt good, It was also pretty heavy on my chest. As parents, they were against it and a little upset with me, but as people who had been wronged before, they understood exactly why I did it. It's been five years since the entire incident, and I've moved from the city, opening up a different branch of my dad's workshop somewhere else. I also haven't kept in touch with any of them, but Gracie is still serving jail time. 
Bran is married to someone she met in rehab, and Nina fell off the face of the earth. I can only imagine how devastated I would feel to think that these were my three closest friends, and they went and sold not only my personal belongings, but my family's. I think this story just highlights how awful drugs in general can be. If they hadn't gotten that involved and that deep in it, maybe none of this would have happened. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. That said, our final story of the day is my step-grandma tried to kill me. I've seen a ton of posts about parents, step-parents, and basically figures of authority being absolute jerks and wreaking havoc, but I haven't seen anything that relates to my life. I decided that I would tell a story that somehow became the most memorable Thanksgiving I had ever had. My parents were married for only three years and had my older sister and me before getting a divorce. And then my mom disappeared from the face of the earth. We were still pretty small when he got married to our stepmother. She's an angel of a person, and I feel like mentioning that she's white and we're black is very crucial to the story. Our stepmom Stacy and our dad met on the set of a film. And not just any film, but an adult film that he... A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. ...was to take still for. Somehow, our stepmom was being abused, and our dad had to fight off some men to save her. A real fairy tale story, and you can figure out what happens after. They became friends and decided to quit the industry and start a business together. It worked for them, and in less than two years, they were married to each other. As for my older sister and I, we fell in love with Stacy probably the minute we saw her, because she was much kinder than the nannies and babysitters that our dad hired. I was almost three when my dad and Stacy got married, but I've called her mom since before I can remember. There were no problems with my dad and Stacy, and even Stacy's dad. He was a trucker for almost 30 years, and he was exposed enough to different people to be okay with them. He loves my dad and comes around to ours every Sunday for dinner. Stacy's mother, on the other hand, my step-grandmother, hated my dad. Not for any special reason, but for the fact that he's black. Basically, she's racist. It didn't matter to her that my dad saved her daughter's life, fell in love with her, and treated her right. What mattered to her was that his skin color didn't match hers and therefore he was bad. My dad said that she wasn't accepting of the relationship from the beginning, but her husband, Stacy's dad, was. She even threatened to not attend the wedding and it took a lot of coaxing to get her to not stand up when the priest got to the speak now or hold your peace if you're against the union part. After the ceremony, she left immediately and she never stopped letting them know that she didn't approve of their relationship. It got so bad that she called the cops on my dad every time he tried to visit with Stacy and us when we were much younger. Her antics got so crazy that Stacy told her that she would stay away until there was some kind of change in her behavior. Stacy got pregnant with her first child and my dad's third when I was three which was barely months after their marriage, and my step-grandma was ludicrous. She apparently offered to overlook what a huge sin abortion was and provide the means for her to get one if it meant removing a black baby from her womb. 
I have no idea how my stepmother was able to overlook that kind of a comment from her own mother, who was supposed to be happy that she was married to the love of her life and pregnant, but she did. Despite my dad's warnings, Stacy visited her mother more often after she got pregnant because, according to her, when she wasn't being racist, she was pretty okay. Stacy started to fall sick a lot towards the beginning of her second trimester, but it was attributed to being normal. No alarms were raised, until one day, she started to cough aggressively and bleed from between her legs. She was rushed to the hospital and, after a few scans were done, they realized that Stacy's mom had been poisoning her own daughter to try and induce an early end to the pregnancy. It was by a miracle that Stacy and the baby survived, but after the incident, Stacy cut off her mother for good. I was still a toddler when all of that was happening, and I would have never have known about it if Stacy didn't sit us all down to give us a crash course on her mother when I was about 15. Apparently, she wanted to reconnect with my stepmom again and had been trying to for years. Stacy didn't want to because we're her kids and she has to protect us from harm, even if it meant never speaking to her mother again. But her dad and my dad kept telling her that it had been enough time and that her mother might have changed. She didn't budge until she learned that her mother had a heart condition that wasn't letting up. This turned out to be a lie in the end, and the guilt from having her mother die from grief sent her right back. And before we knew it, they were speaking. While initially rekindling their relationship, my stepmom kept us out of it, going over on her own or with my dad sometimes, but never taking any of us over. It wasn't until I turned 17, which was almost two years later, that we all met my step-grandma again. Well, for my little brother, it was the first time. Now, I did mention earlier that my dad and my biological mom were both black, hence giving birth to black kids. Well, my mother was actually mixed, so her skin was much lighter, light enough that in the winter, if she straightened her hair, she could be mistaken for a white woman. My older sister looked like a spitting image of all of the pictures of our mother. They were both slim and fair-skinned and could pass as white in the winter. I, on the other hand, have always been much darker. I've never minded it because my dad and Stacy taught me to love myself, regardless of what I looked like or what the world thought, and that's what I always did. My stepbrother's also pretty light-skinned, seeing as his mother's white and his father's black. My dad and I are the only dark-skinned people in our family. My first Thanksgiving over at my step-grandparents was a very awkward affair, and I gathered quickly that my step-grandmother did not like me much. She treated my siblings much nicer, served them food first, and left my dad and me to fend for ourselves. My step-grandfather noticed this and he tried to make up for all the ways she was lacking, but it was a sorely obvious attempt at letting us know who she liked and who she didn't. I sobbed my eyes out that day when we got back home, but I also promised myself never to let it upset me again. It still did, I'll be honest, but for the next two years I braved it out at these family gatherings, but hated every moment of it. Last year, Stacy decided that we would begin spending Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving with her family instead of just Thanksgiving. It made sense seeing as her mother had loosened up and my dad had no family of his own. Easter was okay, but the food tasted wonky to me. It must have shown on my face while I ate because the next thing I knew, my step-grandmother had burst into tears, talking about how I hurt her feelings when she put so much effort into the food. 
It was a little too dramatic in my opinion, but my dad and Stacy made me apologize, which I did. We got some leftovers to take home, and when I ate from some of it, it tasted pretty normal. Later that night, I had a terrible stomach ache and sat in the bathroom the entire night, crying my guts and my eyes out. It didn't occur to me that it could be anything else, probably overeating, so I didn't tell my stepmom or dad, but I did tell my sister, and she noted that my dad complained of a stomach ache earlier but took some pills for it. The entire event was forgotten about until a random week in June when my parents went out to have some time alone and asked my step-grandmother to look after us. I found it insulting because my older sister was 21, I was 19, and our little brother was 15 and looked much older. When I complained, they promised that it was just an excuse for her to get closer to us for all the years that she missed. I mean, whose fault was it? It was no secret that she didn't like me, and while my siblings sympathized with me, I encouraged them to enjoy the attention and gifts she gave them. I've always been an introvert and music was enough to block out a lot of things for me. The week she spent at ours started off okay. I did all my chores and stayed in my room, so much that I barely even ate, save for the few times it took snacks from the fridge up to my room. I just wanted to avoid my step-grandma as much as possible. I thought I'd be let off easy, but I got a call from Stacy that her mother had been complaining about me being rude and not speaking to her when she was just trying to be close to me. I knew that wasn't the case, but I also really hated being scolded, so I apologized once again and started spending time downstairs. Stepgran was nice in a very pretentious way, and the night before she left, she made some homemade pizza. I couldn't stomach more than a few bites because it didn't taste good, but my siblings were literally wolfing it all down. When she left to use the bathroom, I asked my sister if I could take a bite from her food, and it tasted nothing like mine. This was the point where I realized that the possibility of me being poisoned was high. My sister insisted on tasting my own pizza, and she could only stomach one bite before spitting the rest out. The next morning she left pretty early and my sister and I were sick, me more than her because I consumed more than her. When Stacy and my dad returned from their trip, I could sense some tension between them and didn't want to say anything but my older sister spoke up about it, which made Stacy really upset. For some reason, she felt like we were just attacking her mother, and instead of listening to reason, she packed an overnight bag and went to stay over at her mother's. In the bid to keep some peace, My dad decided that we were just sorely misinformed and insisted that my older sister and I apologize to our stepmother and step-grandmother for even thinking that she could be poisoning us. I really didn't want to, but I really hate conflict and despise the thought of being the cause of said conflict even more. So my sister and I apologized with flowers and after an earful, everything slowly returned back to normal. When Thanksgiving arrived, we went over to the step-grandparents' house for dinner. It started out good, until it was time to eat. I felt a little skeptical, but my sister encouraged me, claiming that if I ate, everyone would see that she and I weren't lying at all, and it would be obvious that my grandmother was trying to poison one of us. After the grace, I started to eat, and this time the food tasted normal. Still, I felt really anxious until my sister started talking about how we liked to swap food with each other when we were younger and suggested doing it. It was a wholesome little story, but we both knew what we were doing. 
I looked over at my step-grandma, and her eyes were as wide as saucers. She asked why we needed to because it was the same thing we were eating. My sister shrugged and said it was a tradition we wanted to rekindle, but Stacy's mother continued to argue with her for some reason. Everyone looked at her weird because what was so strange about two sisters exchanging their bowls of food? After some arguing, my step-grandma was trying to put an end to the conflict. When my step-grandma yelled out that she didn't like how I was teaching my older sister to disrespect her. As a response, my sister asked her why she was trying to poison me. Of course, she denied. So, my sister asked her to eat the food. This is where she tried to back out, but everyone had become too invested in the case. It was when her own daughter asked if she was really trying to poison us that she took offense and ate three giant spoonfuls from my bowl, swallowed it, and asked if she was dead yet. It was really awkward after, and no one really spoke again until we had to leave at night. Coincidentally, at the very same time, my step-grandmother had begun vomiting her guts out in the bathroom. She didn't want her husband to inform us, but it was really bad, and she needed to be taken to the emergency room. It didn't take a shaman to realize that I'd been right all along, and in addition to ingesting poisonous food that her 65-year-old body couldn't handle, removing an enlarged spleen and having her own daughter cut ties with her, her husband also requested a divorce. For obvious reasons, as well as fear for his own life, I've never seen karma act so fast, but I'm really glad that she stepped in before me. My dad or my older sister could have seriously gotten hurt by my racist ex-grandmother's antics. This year's Thanksgiving was just my family and step-grandpa, and it was easily the most peaceful one I've had since I was 17. This is one of those stories where you finish it and you're like, first A, oh my god. B, everybody cutting them off, divorcing, losing a relationship with everybody, that's letting them off lightly. They should be locked up behind bars, maybe without the key. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.